leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. COVID-19 pandemic is threatening to stress healthcare systems throughout the world, and it's making the development of a vaccine an important part of a strategy to arrest the virus. Though clinical trials for a vaccine are underway, creating one alone will not be enough. If those efforts are successful, there'll be challenges ahead with manufacturing, distributing, and providing equitable access throughout the world. We spoke to Aurelia Grayon, Managing Director for Vaccines and Sustainability for the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunizations, about the COVID-19 outbreak, how it may be playing out in different parts of the world, and what was learned from Gavi's involvement in previous efforts to develop an Ebola vaccine. Aurelia, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me join you today. We're going to talk about Gavi efforts to develop a, a COVID-19 vaccine and how the pandemic is impacting different parts of the world. As someone who's involved in global health and has been involved in responding to past outbreaks, perhaps you can begin with some perspective on the current pandemic. How does it compare to what we've seen in the past? So, indeed, the current uh, COVID-19 pandemic is something that is quite unprecedented um, from uh, a global health uh, and, and economic uh, perspective. We, um, from a Gavi perspective, uh, have been working for the last 20 years in developing countries, making sure that we are able to provide routine immunization, but also helping to respond to outbreaks of other diseases like yellow fever, measles, uh, meningitis, uh, most recently Ebola. But uh, the current COVID uh, pandemic is of quite a, 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 a different scale. What has it told us about, so far about our preparedness to contend with such an outbreak? Our preparedness to contend with this outbreak um, has been shown to fall quite short um, of uh, what would be required uh, to make sure that the disease is effectively contained um, and therefore uh, uh, having the least amount of mortality um, as well as um, the, uh, the knock-on impacts uh, to, to the economy. Um, in the past, there have been realizations during various outbreaks that 
we need to focus more on global health security. Um, but it's not in the middle of an outbreak that one starts to prepare. It needs to be done um, constantly and particularly outside of an outbreak to have health systems being strengthened, have countries have good plans in place and test those plans in, in place. So we're certainly in catch-up mode here. If listeners think of Gavi, I suspect they think of it as this public-private health organization that focuses on getting immunizations to poorer nations. What does Gavi do? What's it, its role in a pandemic like this? So, indeed, um, Gavi has been in existence for about uh, 20 years, and um, we have focused uh, our work by pooling donor resources to help countries that have um, the, the weakest health systems be able to introduce life-saving vaccines. And we've done this very much in collaboration with the countries um, in terms of identifying what their vaccine needs are and then being able to support um, their introduction um, of the different vaccines. As we, like the rest of the world in Gavi, have been looking at um, the incredible progression of, of the pandemic, we've taken um, a look at to see how can we leverage the track record that we have in rolling out vaccines, in supporting vaccine development, and apply it to the situation um, for COVID-19. So first and foremost, we've looked at um, the countries that we support. Um, COVID-19 cases are starting to emerge um, more and more in the developing countries. We likely know that um, the disease is there. It's maybe just not being identified uh, quite as quickly as it has been in, in, in other countries. And so we've helped countries look at how they can prioritize um, some of the, the support and funding they get from Gavi to help uh, address some of their um, preparedness. But we're also going to be very active in the vaccine um, development. So looking at using some of our innovative financing tools, for example, to see how we can rapidly um, have funding available to the development of vaccine candidates. It's important that as many vaccines as possible can be uh, developed at the moment so that we have the best selection towards a, a successful vaccine that will be uh, safe and efficacious. And we're also um, very heavily involved in terms of how do we think about making sure that when a vaccine does come to light that's going to help uh, prevent uh, COVID-19, how do we think about making sure that the vaccine is available to those who need it and not necessarily to those who can pay the highest price for it? Um, and how do we make sure that there's enough vaccines made for all of those who need it um, and not just um, a, a small a, a small subset of um, people who, who, who um, have uh, uh, taken specific rights um, towards uh, the vaccines. And then further down the line, from a Gavi perspective, um, we um, are supporting the vaccination of about 50% of the world's birth cohort. So we're thinking how we can use all of the, 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 the systems that we have in place for de delivering other vaccines today to help deliver COVID vaccines and make sure that we have very rapid deployment to, to the vaccine when it's made available.
the focus today has been to slow the spread of the virus. We've seen the use of a number of practices intended to do that. How critical will the development of a vaccine be to ultimately combating it? It's very difficult right now for us to assess the trajectory of um, uh, of the outbreak. Um, from Gabby's perspective, um, essentially, we are doing a race against time. Um, the sooner that um, we are uh, able collectively to identify a good uh, vaccine, produce it, um, scale it up, uh, to produce large amounts of doses and start to deploy it, the better chance we will have to be able to potentially have um, a, a role in containing um, the, the outbreak and then certainly being able to have a vaccine to prevent future outbreaks, um, uh, as is likely to, to, to be the case. The current pandemic, as you mentioned, is hitting developed countries hardest right now, but it is in Africa too. How well prepared is Africa to respond to the virus? So, as you, as I was mentioning before, indeed, we are starting to see cases um, uh, uh, in in Africa at the moment. I think a, a worry is that um, perhaps we're only picking up a, a small number of cases because countries may have weaker capacity to um, to detect. Um, and so the numbers of cases that we're seeing are actually far below what is actually um, happening in reality. Um, the, the, the countries that we're... Um, so that Gavi is supporting are the weakest countries from the perspective of their health systems. Um, and so um, they, the, the risk that their health systems become overwhelmed um, is quite high. And here, I think this is where the urgency is in trying to get those health systems as prepared as they can be, um, and then making sure that we can provide support to the country um, uh, as they deal with increased cases. Is there any modeling to suggest how the pandemic may progress there or how the response might vary? I think there has been a little bit of modeling um, uh, done through uh, uh, various groups um, and I, modeling a little bit the trajectory that's happened um, in China or um, in Italy. Um, as in many cases, um, it really relies heavily on how effective measures like social distancing are done and uh, whether there's an ability to have testing uh, done. So it's hard to predict at this case, at, at this stage, um, but I think we need to be able to uh, be prepared to react to um, a high amount of, uh, of cases. Is there any particular challenge to developing a vaccine for COVID-19 or coronavirus more broadly? From the perspective of the development of the COVID-19 vaccine, um, we have um, some helpful uh, experience uh, that we've learned through uh, previous pandemics, um, SARS, uh, uh, H1N1, um, uh, and the like. We also, um, I think, need to take an approach in terms of utilizing a broad variety of uh, different technologies and different approaches. 
And I think what will be important at this stage is using some of the more traditional t technologies um, that uh, are proven uh, alongside some more innovative ones uh, to be able to see where we're going to have um, the, the, the highest result. And of course, each comes with their pros and cons in terms of having well understood technologies, but perhaps with limitations in how quickly they can scale up and innovative technologies that are less well understood and characterized, but uh, potentially have an ability to uh, be scaled up much more much more rapidly. So all of these factors uh, need to be weighed in. Well, well given that, uh, what thought should be given to what it would take to manufacture a specific vaccine approach? So a couple of factors for uh, thinking about manufacturing. One is, uh, first and foremost, we're going to need um, a large volume of vaccines. I think that's a fairly... Uh, safe assumption, and so we need to think about um, what are uh, the, the the numbers of manufacturers, the types of technologies that will enable us uh, to do so. Secondly, um, an important factor that I uh, alluded to before is this question of access. How do we make sure that the vaccines that are produced, which initially will likely be in short supply versus the very high demand uh, that will be required are allocated in a manner that is um, in, in line with the need the, from a public health perspective and not with other factors like whoever can pay um, the highest price for them or whichever country it's in who has the ability to lock its borders and not allow for vaccines to be um, exported. Uh, so the manufacturing perspective needs to include scale, a consideration of uh, geography, and a, a consideration of um, having the, the, the right allocation system to have the vaccine go where it is most needed. Vaccine is already in clinical studies in the United States, in China. What's a realistic time frame for getting one to the public? very difficult to say. These are still very early days with um, the first vaccines entering uh, phase one clinical trials. Um, I, I think an estimate um, that's uh, been widely quoted has been 18 months or so. Uh, I think we'll know a lot more in, in a month or two. One issue you touched on earlier, which is a concern for Gavi, is equitable access. Once a vaccine is developed, how would you expect it to be distributed and made available? So th this is where I think there's a great need for uh, political leadership um, across uh, countries and an agreement between countries to abide by a principle of um, equitable access. And this is where the leadership of the, the, the G7 and the G20 and and other um, uh, countries that are um, uh, very heavily implicated um, need to need to come through so that uh, among all of the different um, countries among the vaccine developers and the manufacturers there can be an agreement and a sign on to a principle of um, 
allocation based on, on on need. And so I think it's going to take an effort of tremendous political will um, and of trust and of transparency, uh, perhaps one unlike any seen before, so that we can make sure that we address this um, uh, as a global community um, and not as uh, national or, 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 or private entities. Because ultimately, given the scale of the pandemic, um, no, no one single country is going to be able to protect um, itself, and it will need a global-level cooperation. And is the challenge beyond a financial one? Are there issues in poor countries of distributing vaccines because of supply chain, because of, because of health systems, because of language barriers or trust? Absolutely. And I, I think as um, uh, we can anticipate, the, the, the already very weak healthcare systems are going to be um, tested uh, to their limits and perhaps um, beyond. Um, so first and foremost, um, the availability of healthcare workers is going to, to, to be uh, very, very uh, strongly put at test and, as, and in certain areas. There is already a sheer lack of um, uh, healthcare workers, and then even if we do have the vaccine, um, you alluded to the, the, the question of you know whether um, populations will respond uh, effectively to to the provision of the vaccine. Is there enough trust of the government and of the government systems? Are they going to be to, to have good acceptability of uh, a vaccine by uh, local populations? Um, is there going to be the right sort of commu community engagement, be it through uh, language, through the provision of materials um, that uh, are easy to engage with, with, for example, in populations with low levels of literacy? So the, the community engagement perspective is very critical um, to uh, uh, to consider, because even with a tool, um, if it's not well accepted, then it won't it, it, it won't have any uh, effectiveness. I know you were involved somewhat in the development of an Ebola vaccine that was a a very different scale of pen, a, a very different scale of outbreak. But was anything learned from that experience that might be applicable here? The the experience that that we had. Uh, for Ebola has very interesting analogies and in a way has taught us uh, quite a lot. Um, firstly, I think the ability for the global community to react and be coordinated very quickly is absolutely critical. Um, secondly, um, having a good dialogue between all of the different parts of um, the value chain, if you like, of a, of a vaccine development and rollout is critical from the, the research and development uh, perspective to um, those who will engage in, in manufacturing, to those who are doing the clinical trials, um, to the regulators, um, and then onwards to uh, funders and those who, who roll out the vaccine. And what we learned is really having that dialogue and those um, actors together around the table um, being able to work out issues and, and, and give their considerations um, was very helpful. It was also, I think, 
um, an important um, learning to be able to understand some of these questions around um, uh, uh, access. How do we think about what volumes are being produced? Who are they going to be rolled out if we are in a situation where we have supply shortages? So, indeed, the Ebola situation, although um, was on, on a smaller scale, given the numbers of, of uh, countries affected, um, uh, has, I think, charted a course for a level of um, coordination uh, that is proving very, very critical uh, right now within the COVID-19 outbreak. One problem to our approach to developing a vaccine is that even if successful, it would provide us for protection against that pandemic, not the next pandemic. I, I think here a flu and the threat a new strain could pose. What's the potential for developing a universal coronavirus vaccine and a universal flu vaccine? Is that ultimately where we need to put efforts once we're through the current crisis? I think we're still in the phases where we're learning about the virus and um uh, its ability uh, to mutate. So um, I think these are questions that are on the scientists' minds, and and, and rightly so. Um, the, the the experience with the flu, as you point out, is that um, every year um, we need to think about what circulating strains are likely to happen and try to target a vaccine um uh, against that, um, the the um, uh, the experience with developing a universal flu vaccine has been very difficult. It's been uh, a long and drawn out effort over over many many years. Um, there are promising leads um, uh, at the moment, but still um, not within sort of immediate uh, reach. Uh, so. As in when we are able to develop a first-generation uh, uh, vaccine against COVID-19 uh, for this strain, I think immediately the question will pose itself. Um, but uh, first, we need to understand a, a little bit more uh, about, on, about the virus. Aurelia Graham, Managing Director for Vaccines and Sustainability for the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunizations. Aurelia, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.